1: It, there's probably a, a balance between, I believe you have to know Christ, but God, think... he's in hell. He is. And someone knows this for
2: sure. All of mankind is going to end up somewhere in <laughs> <and> heaven.
1: <laughs> My mission really is to just help people of faith, especially. To re-examine this
0: issue, to realize the church has got things wrong in the past. For those who are gods by faith in his son. <laughs> Corinthians, right? Two Corinthians. 317 that's
2: all. victory in the name which is above every...
0: there's no exception for rape or incest uh, it's an extreme and...
1: right now bones ligaments tendons in jesus name get out here right now so- That's three right. bucks.
0: Hey, everybody, welcome to the Master's Dog Episode 3. I am your host, The Evangelical Norm. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, we're going to go ahead and just jump right in. This is our uh, 4th of July edition. Um, so I'm going to keep it quick and brief, and there's really not a whole lot to talk about. David's going to talk about what the Mormons believe about the millennium, um, and then we'll we'll talk about that whole, actually not even going to talk much about eschatology from a Christian worldview, because um, it's really more uh, secondary issue, and there's a lot of uh, different views of, of what it is, But there are a few things that he talks about that are specific that need to be addressed. Um, I'm willing to let people who believe, you know, pre-millennium, post-millennium, so on and so forth. Eschatology is not something I was into it once upon a time. um, And then I realized there was far more that I didn't know about it than I did. Um, But it being such a secondary thing, we know Jesus is coming back uh and we know that we need to preach the gospel so that people are prepared for when Jesus comes back so that's kind of where i leave my eschatology i have beliefs but you know they're kind of in flux at the moment between millennial and postmillennial um whole another topic of discussion for another day but there are some things that david talks about that we need to address that are extremely um anti-biblical uh taking this what could be a secondary issue of eschatology and the things that he talks about takes it into a heretical false teaching so with that being said we're going to go ahead and let david tell us what david wants to tell us so Uh, here we go.
2: Hey, everyone. So, in past episodes, I've made a reference or two to what Latter-day Saints and many Christians call the Millennium. And no, unfortunately, we're not talking about the Backstreet Boys, but I do want it that way.
0: Just a little uncomfortable with that. But that's just me.
2: Okay. So we're probably all pretty familiar with the prophesied second coming of Jesus Christ. There will be wars and earthquakes and all this terrible stuff going on. You hear
0: that? Yeah. That is the sound of a thousand terrible
2: things heading this way. The wicked will be destroyed and Christ will begin his personal thousand year reign on the earth, which we call the millennium. Now, what will conditions be like for people living during this time? In short, it's going to be awesome wickedness will be gone. Satan will have no power over the people.
0: Okay, just a quick thing, because here again, we, as we take and look at what the Mormon theology is, when he says the wicked will be destroyed, but yet the wicked will be saved to one level of heaven or another, so they really won't be destroyed. They'll be I guess, killed off in some manner mortally. But when you say the wicked are destroyed, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me the way that you fit it in with Mormon theology. So that was just something that kind of stuck out to me as we've talked many times about how Mormons feel about salvation and who uh, goes to hell and who doesn't. And according to Mormons, pretty much nobody goes to hell. I have successfully privatized world peace.
2: Children will be raised in righteousness unto salvation. There will be no sorrow or death. When you're old, instead of dying, you'll just be transitioned from mortality to immortality instantly. Dangerous animals won't try to eat you anymore. New scripture will come forth and God will finally answer.
0: Okay, where does it say new scripture will come forth? Where do we get any kind of biblical standard? I mean, one, the Bible does not say anything about new scripture anywhere. Um, and, again, rabbit trail, but you keep talking about new scripture coming forth. But, there, David, there are people in England who, and I want to say somewhere, maybe even Australia now, um, supposed prophets uh, have received revelation about... Uh, new scripture, I don't, I, I want to say I heard something, but I can't say 100% that there's another one, but absolutely, in Great Britain, Matthew Gill received his his revelation of the book of Jeronech, and uh, translated it, and has released it, and um, proclaims himself to be a prophet, uh, at the time it was, I want to say at the time that Gill came th- out with his seeing It may have either been Hinkley or Monson But he proclaimed himself to be supersedent to um, Either one of those men So you're so convinced of other scripture is coming out But yet when it has come out You reject it That doesn't make sense to me In the grand scheme Of what the Mormons believe Let's continue
2: all those burning questions we have, and more. And to be clear, we do not believe the only people who will survive the calamities leading up to the millennium will be Latter-day Saints. But I am the chosen one. Hey, sorry, Um, kidding. We fully expect good, righteous people of other religions to be around during the millennium. Also, Latter-day Saints believe everyone, whether you were wicked or not, will be resurrected. However, we do not believe everyone will be resurrected at the same time. The resurrection of the righteous who accepted Christ and his gospel will start first. Others will follow. But we believe that during this time there will be resurrected beings, immortal people with perfected physical bodies, mingling among mortals to some extent, uh, which is going to be pretty cool. It's
0: pretty cool, I guess.
2: The next question is, what is the purpose of the millennium? What are people going to be doing for those thousand years? Bruce R. McConkey once said, The purpose of the millennium is to save souls. There can be no doubt about this. It is the Lord's work and his glory to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man. This is axiomatic or foundational among us. All that he does during all the endless ages of his everlasting existence is designed to save souls. There is no aim or end or purpose in anything that comes from God except to further the salvation of his children. Okay, so how does that happen in the millennium? Well, let's take a step.
0: So it's all about us, is ultimately what it is. It's all about us. It's not about God's glory. It's not about uh, the gospel. It's not about the Lamb and His Bride. It's not about any of that. It's about us. It, that's what that's what you're you're saying here, and that just does not doesn't sit well with me. Everything is about Christ. Everything is about His glory. It's about God. Um, receiving his glory. It's not about us. Um, Never has been, never will be. You talk about righteous people from other, other faiths, but Paul makes it very clear that there is none righteous. No, not one. The only righteous person was Christ, and the only way we can have righteousness is through Christ, is through what he did on the cross. He made him who knew no sin to be sin so that we may become the righteousness of God. That's the only way we receive righteousness. There is no righteousness in any other religion. It's not there. The only way we can, we can be considered righteous is through repentance and faith and belief in Christ. That's it. There, there are no good people unless they are made good in Christ because we will always choose sin. Outside of Christ. I mean there may be a facade. Of well they seem to be. But ultimately. The sin nature is going to rule. Outside of. The regeneration of the Holy Spirit. And faith and belief. In Jesus Christ. Sin nature will rule. All. All. Benevolent works. Will be done. in, In for. Uh, self-satisfaction or self-aggrandizement—you um, know, it—it'll be, it'll be a facade. It'll be done out of false motives, but it will will self-serving. That's the word I'm looking for. Every good deed done outside of Christ is self-serving. It's to make ourselves look good. Every good deed done in in Christ is done to glorify Him and to make Christ look good. And that's the point of, of salvation and, and so on. That's, so, again, it's not about being righteous in other religions. They won't be there. They will be among the wicked. So, we'll continue.
2: Step back for a bit. Most of Christianity agrees that in order to be saved, you have to believe in Jesus Christ. Well, what happens if you were born in Siberia in the year 1321 and never got to learn about Christ? Does that person get sent to hell at no fault of their own?
0: it is at fault of their own it's because of their sin it's because God punishes sin, and you know the scripture says that that when we we look that the the nature even testifies of God and so so that man is without excuse so it's not you know we're, we're getting into this whole fair and unfair clip from uh uh Pirates of the Caribbean, yeah. And and whether or not it, it's... God is the ultimate determiner of what is fair and unfair. And those who have sinned, who have violated God's law, it is fair for them to be sent to hell if they have not repented of their sin and put their faith and trust in Christ. If God had intended for them to be saved, and here's where we get into my Calvinism, which people are going to just have issues with but we believe that god saves those whom he elects and so if that person born in 1321 in siberia were among the elect god would have made sure that somehow they received the gospel
2: Well, Latter-day Saints believe that after you die, your spirit goes to what we just call the spirit world. While there, those spirits or resurrected beings who did receive the gospel will attempt to teach it to those who did not. Now,
0: this also goes against what the Bible says. Biblical truth says it is appointed once for man to die and then judgment. There is no second chance in heaven. It's made very clear in Luke 16. Where the rich man and Lazarus and the rich man calls out to, to, to Christ and says, you know, send Lazarus back to talk to my, my brothers and warn them not to come here. And he said they rejected the, the law and the prophets. Will, will they accept somebody who's raised from the dead? Essentially, he, he's making it very clear. There is no second chance. Once someone has died, there is no opportunity to learn and accept the, the gospel after death. I mean, when you, when you carry that to an extre- its extreme, no one would refuse it. And it would be better off to just let everybody die and give them the gospel where, where they can see that it was true and, and so on. You know, you, you've, it makes no sense. You're, you're, you're opposing what the Bible says, and you're proclaiming what ultimately would, would carry out into posthumous universalism.
2: Latter-day Saints take this even a step further. We believe in three degrees of heaven, so while everyone in a degree of heaven is technically saved— we believe that in order to inherit the highest level of heaven and be exalted one must make and live certain covenants with god we make these covenants through ordinances like
0: works <laughs> by works so their salvation is by works they say everybody's saved and gets to go to one level of heaven or another and that's how you know they get beyond that but ultimately LDS salvation is is of works. Because even when you talk to them, they'll talk about those lower two levels as being kind of a mental kind of hell. And mind you, that lower level, that lowest level, contains every hardcore murderer, um, sociopath, pedophile, uh, all those people are in heaven, saved, I keep forgetting which side I need to put my my air quotes on saved in one level of heaven or another Hitler hanging out in uh, the telestial kingdom, terrestrial telestial, one of those um, I, we know the celestial is the highest and beyond that it, it gets confusing <laughs> so um, yeah I lost my train of thought. Let's keep baptism. going.
2: Paralleling our earlier example, there are many, many people who die never having the opportunity to be baptized. One of the purposes of our temple...
0: One of those was the uh, the thief on the cross, and Jesus told him he would uh, be with him in paradise. Um, I know that Mormons are like, well, paradise is a spirit world. No. Uh, Jesus proclaimed the salvation of this man without baptism. So... Baptism does not save. It is something that we are are told we need to do, but it's it's not something that's going to keep us out of heaven if we don't accomplish it. Jesus was baptized to fulfill all righteousness so that he could give that righteousness to those who could not be baptized for whatever reason they could not be baptized. Jesus fulfilled all righteousness to be able to give that to them.
2: Temples around the world is to perform proxy ordinances for our deceased ancestors. The spirits of those ancestors
0: and teenagers do it all the time for people that aren't even their ancestors. I was baptized, did baptisms for the dead twice when I was a teenager, and both times it was for a man named Jose, Gar, Jose Martinez, who is or Rodriguez, or I can't now, I don't remember. I think it was you were. No, i have to go through my memory of the the whole thing norman dunn i haven't been commissioned jesus christ i baptize you for it in behalf of jose martinez who is dead in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit okay yeah so jose martinez 15 times the first time we went and another jose martinez 15 times the second time so uh 30 dudes named jose martinez i got dunked for and all of it was pointless every little bit of it
2: in the spirit world can choose whether or not to accept those proxy ordinances or not.
0: Can you imagine someone in the spirit world, not accepting it? You're there. You see Jesus, you see all these things and everything showing you that this was all true. Supposedly we all missed it on. And so it is absolutely all true. Why would anybody turn it down? Makes absolutely no sense. None, whatsoever. Posthumous universalism.
2: But the thing is, there's a lot of work we need to do. There are a lot of people to teach and do ordinance work for.
0: Billions and billions and billions and billions and billions
2: and billions and Furthermore, we get a lot of things wrong. Names and dates and such. We've got so much work to do and correct that it's going to take a thousand years to get it done. Those ordinances still have to be performed in temples by the mortal people living on earth at that time. Resurrected.
0: Now, okay, so if we're in the millennium and resurrection is happening and the righteous are resurrected first and, and, and so on, why not just resurrect the wicked and baptize them? Rather than proxy, we're in the millennium People are being resurrected already. Why would Christ not just b- resurrect those who are wicked and baptize them, rather than do this whole proxy thing? Do they not get to get resurrected until the proxy baptism is done? Uh, continuing.
2: ...beings will sort of bridge the gap between the mortal world and the spirit world. And as Joseph Fielding Smith said, they will assist in furnishing information which is not otherwise available to us mortals after that thousand years after the millennium satan will start to make a bit of a comeback george q cannon said this happy period will cover one thousand years then satan will be loosed again why will he be loosed again because a generation will arise some of which in the exercise of their agency will listen and yield to him thus he will have power over them in this way wickedness and all the evils under which the earth now groans will be introduced among men For whenever men will listen to Satan and exercise their agency in that direction, wickedness flourishes and righteousness lessens.
0: But I thought you had said that during this time, children are going to be raised in in righteousness to salvation or to faith or something to that effect. And now you're saying that some children aren't going to be in that manner and they're going to be subject to uh, Satan. So we, we've got again. It. it feels like there's some contradiction going on here.
2: This ultimately leads to a great battle between the forces of God and Satan. No idea if that's a physical battle or just a war of words. I don't know. But Satan will lose, and he and his followers will be cast out forever. That's a brief overview of what the millennium is and why it's important. Check out the links in the description for more information on this topic, and have a great day.
0: All right, so there you have what the Mormons believe about the millennium. A little bit about what—I uh, mean, I really didn't get into what Christians believe because, again, there's a lot of different uh, avenues we can. I can maybe talk about that in in another podcast sometime. Um, but it's a secondary issue of the millennium. But again, the the issues that David talks about that are the Mormons deal with. That are absolutely anti-biblical. That come against God's word. And again, which is why I even do this. Because when God's word is attacked, I have to bark. I have to do what even a dog would do. And say, no, this is not true. It is appointed once for man to die and then judgment. There is no second chance in the afterlife to accept any kind of gospel. Once it has happened, it has happened. And, and on top of the fact that there are many, I mean, Jesus says that, that the path is wide that leads to destruction, and many are there that find it. You know and so many are going to come and among those that find that gate that path that leads to destruction are people who believe that they were Christians because Jesus says in Matthew he says that there will in that day they will come to me and they will say Lord Lord do we not cast out demons in your name do we not perform miracles in your name and I will say to them depart from me you workers of iniquity I never knew you that's a horrifying thought That there are those, and I believe that there are going to be Mormons in that group that believe that they were Christians, but yet they were led astray. They're going to be cast aside, and there is no second chance. That's why we preach the gospel now. That's why we go out. It's why we go stand in front of temples. It's why we go out and, and and when pageants were happening and do pageants. It's why we go out to pride events and anywhere. You know, a great quote. I think I said it the other day. Mark Cahill, a phenomenal evangelist, said that when when Satan throws a party in my town, I'm going to show up. When Satan holds a convention in my town, I'm going to show up. When the Mormons have their conference, I'm going to show up. And thir- the third Thursday of every month at the LDS Temple in Salt Lake City, when the Tabernacle Tabernacle Choir uh, practices, I'm going to show up. Because we need to be preaching the gospel because there is no second chance. That's why we go. And yes, as a Calvinist, I believe that God draws those people to himself. So why do we evangelize? Because we don't know who those people are. So we go and we proclaim the gospel. And that's the means that God has has ordained to draw people to himself is through the preaching of the gospel. And so I've got a really ticklish hair right down here. So I apologize. I keep messing with my nose. (laughs) That is why and God uses us to draw those people to himself. So we don't know. So we have to go. And we preach and we leave the rest of it up to God and and the Holy Spirit to come and to do what he does. And to draw those people to Christ for the glory of God. So as always, preach the gospel at all times. Use words. They are necessary. And until next time, Soli Deo Gloria.